Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I don't need to wait till the end of the song. I can start talking whatever the hell I want. It's my damn show. I'll do what I want. Sort of the uh, Eric Cartman school of thought there. I am uh, currently trying to figure out what software is auto-adjusting my microphone volume because I have that turned off in StreamYard. Honest to goodness, I could not tell you at this point. It's happening. Something's doing it. Um, but I don't know what. And I can keep trying to like bring it up, bring it down, but eventually the damn computer is going to decide how loud it wants me to be. And uh, we're just going to, I guess, have to be okay with that. So anyway, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a new week. A weird week. Week 7. And the first ever in-season tournament quarter and semifinal round that we'll have that's part of a fantasy season. It's created a, um, pardon my uh, slightly adjusted cursing here, but a real cluster. Not going to say it. You know I'm not going to say it. It's really kind of called a... It's created a real cluster mess uh, for fantasy purposes. Streaming is going to be exceptionally odd. We will have a show later on today. Uh, timing of it might be a little bit goofball. My, my kid has a doctor's appointment because, you know, everything in my life revolves around trying to figure out where the hell my two kids are at any given moment. Uh, normally, it's around 2 o'clock Pacific time. My guess is that it'll run a little bit later today. But Derek and I, Derek Ball, uh, will break down the goofball week ahead. This show is all about who you're adding for uh, longer than today and tomorrow, basically. These are not ads we're going to talk about for specifically the in-season tournament. We'll kind of talk about each team and where they fit, but it's a full weekend recap. We'll hit the waiver wire. We'll find all the good stuff, and uh, we'll do that here in a matter of seconds. But before we do that, I want to remind everybody you're watching or listening to Fantasy NBA Today, Sports Ethos presentation. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening, and thank you for liking and subscribing and dropping those five-star reviews. The continued growth of the podcast has been amazing, borderline hilarious, the YouTube side, um, the damage we've been able to do over there in just a matter of like two months really has been outstanding. Uh, so thank you, everybody that's hit a like button, everybody that's hit a subscribe button. You guys are powering this locomotive right now. I am Dan Vespers over on social at Dan Vespers. I know there's not going to be a ton to do the next two days with just four games over these two, but there's always something. And planning this week is uh, certainly a big part of it. But let's go ahead and just dive right in. I think that's enough uh, show opening humor, as I once again stress about the fact that Windows Update messed up some of my settings and I had to uh, run the show about seven minutes later than I wanted to. But luckily, these two window updates, window updates, Windows updates happened within like a week of each other, so I remembered exactly the changes I needed to make. So this one only took seriously like five or six minutes for me to fix, but that's still dumb. Stop doing it to me, Windows. Let's do Saturday. And Saturday was a heavy load because there was nothing on Sunday. Everybody had the day off leading up to this quarterfinal starter day here on Monday. A couple of games tonight, a couple of games tomorrow. Um, so they wanted to get almost all of the teams in on Saturday. I, I mean, not everybody. I think it was uh, 12. Well, I would count it right here on screen. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 games Saturday. So this will knock us through the vast majority, 80% of the league. And, uh, yeah, let's just talk about it. 
Warriors got a big on the Clippers. Clippers came back and beat them in this one. There aren't that many things to talk about on the Clippers side other than sort of the, is it a buy low? Is it a sell high? What What is the actual thing happening right here? Interestingly, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are now in a dead heat, 19 and 20 in nine cat after PG's very fast start. And Kawhi's sort of fine, but not outstanding beginning. They're about to be two ships kind of passing in the night. And then James Harden, who I think we can all agree has been kind of boring in his time with the Clippers so far. Boring James Harden is still number 34 per game in 9-cat. And he's played in, you know, the last 14 in a row for the Clips, which already he's ahead of a number of players in fantasy with just 14 games under his belt. Everybody's having these panic attacks over James Harden, but he's just going to get better every week. 21 points, 9 assists in this ballgame, made his 5 free throws. He's on his way, I believe, to being a second rounder. He's a third rounder right now. I don't think we're exactly like leaping way out on a limb to say he could get up another 10 rank slots. And he's a guy that was getting drafted. I think I got him near 60 in one of my leagues. And there's this whole thing, and I know I go into it about drafting guys that are injured to start the year, but I do feel like that was kind of a different scenario. Like, you knew he was going to have to get moved quickly because the disaster it was creating in Philadelphia. And then, yeah, you know, he wasn't going to be like a top 12 guy in Clippertown because there's just too many guys there. But you knew he was going to be at worst, like, where he is now, 30-something. So, hell yeah, I took him in the 60s in a few spots, and I don't regret it. How about the Warriors' side? Well, no Andrew Wiggins. He was still dealing with the after-effects of mashing his finger in a car door. Shit, good lord. Uh, Chris Paul was out. Gary Payton is out for a while. CB3 might be back this week. They, they said his little nerve compression thing was day-to-day. He is also very old, so don't be too surprised if it takes longer than a day or two and maybe more like a week or two. But hey, maybe we get good news before their game on Wednesday. Either way, based on what we saw in this particular one ball game, Moses Moody filled in for Wiggins and kind of Peyton together and ended up playing 32 minutes. He was excellent. Getting to the free throw line was certainly the, the biggest part of it, going 9 of 10 at the foul line. 21-5-2 with a couple of steals and a couple of threes is a really nice fantasy line. And if Wiggins and Peyton are both out again, I think you probably have a reasonable argument for playing Moses Moody in their next ball game. Also notable, Brandon Pajemski played 36 and a half minutes off the bench. Those are like all of the Chris Paul minutes, plus a few of those Gary Payton minutes, because Corey Joseph is terrible. He's been bad for a long time, but now he's also old. Uh, and the Warriors... Love pods. He uh, he's like the ultimate hustle guy. I'm I'd be a little bit nervous if any of those three guys come back because if Wiggins comes back, that pushes Moody to the bench, and then Moody takes some of those more of those, I guess, Peyton bench minutes as opposed to just soaking up the Andrew Wiggins ones. But if all three guys are out again on Wednesday, and it does seem like Peyton's going to be out a little bit longer, Wiggins and Chris Paul are the guys that are day to day. Then maybe you look at both. Minnesota with a win at Charlotte. Minnesota did it without uh, Anthony Edwards and without Jaden McDaniels. And uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker was a huge disappointment. There's no way around that. I thought he was going to have another nice... I mean, he was a, he had a huge fill-in game the day before. Uh, this was a... I, I, I don't know that I was necessarily expecting huge, but I was certainly expecting decent, and we didn't even get that. 
He only took five shots in 30 minutes on the court because, largely because Nas Reed is starting to get cooking. And you knew Cat would take a bunch of shots because with Anthony Edwards out, Cat's got to be kind of the focal point on offense. But then Nas Reed's been heating up again. And that's been the story of his year. He got off to a really hot start. His minutes were better than expected to start the season. Then they collapsed for a bit. Now they're better for a couple of days. He's at 114 on the year. We all love Nas Reed's fantasy game. He only needs 22, 23 minutes to be a normal 12-team start guy. And it does kind of feel like with Edwards out, he can get those 22 or 23 minutes. He played 24 and a half in this one. Not that he's taking those minutes specifically, but they just sort of need a little bit more scoring sock, and that's what he can do. But again, you kind of have to wait and see because Minnesota doesn't play until Wednesday. Edwards could be back. Doesn't seem like McDaniels is is all that close yet. But if Anthony Edwards is back in there, I think you kind of have to shy away from any of these streamers. All of that to say, play it by ear. If we hear anything about Edwards being doubtful or whatever in the next day, day and a half, then you pick up Nas Reed kind of ahead of time. But I don't know that I expect that to happen. Charlotte side, uh, still, it'll be no Lamella ball for uh, at least a few more weeks here. Brandon Miller came back for this one and was decent. Not spectacular, but he was fine. Um, Miles Bridges continues to take a lot of shots, as does Terry Rozier, who is admittedly playing, give Terry Rozier some credit, he was really bad at point guard last year. He's been much better in his couple of fill-in games so far this season. The question marks, I think, you're starting Miles Bridges, you're obviously starting Terry Rozier, you're almost definitely starting, I mean, you're definitely starting Mark Williams, I know he wasn't as good in this one, he fouled out. Uh, and you're probably starting Brandon Miller because his usage has gone up enough with LaMelo Ball out that he's been playable. The guys that I think have been kind of coin flippy lately are P.J. Washington and Gordon Hayward. And P.J.'s been pretty good last couple of ball games, although some of that, I think it's worth pointing out, has been because his defensive stats have been higher. And he's not bad defensively. He's, you know, historically, like, kind of middling. Last year, he was actually kind of pretty good, 32 and a half minutes a game. He averaged about two defensive stats. And that's something you could kind of see repeat if his minutes get back up into the 30s here with the with the mellow ball being out. But he's also been a low field goal percent guy. That hurts. His free throw percent is not good. That also hurts a little bit. Still, the fact that he can get you steals, blocks, boards, some scoring, some threes, you kind of overlook the other stuff a little bit. Um, so I'm going to say yes on PJ, and I think I'm also going to say yes on Gordon Hayward, who's bounced around a lot. He got off to a really fast start this year and then went through a prolonged slump, but 22-17 in his last two ball games, He's heating up again, if you want to talk about like what he's been able to do shooting-wise. My fear, of course, on the Gordon Hayward front is, is this all tied to better shooting? If he goes cold again from the field, like he did for basically the previous two weeks, he was ice cold, is there going to be enough right now? And I feel like with LaMelo out, there should be enough assists and rebounds to kind of float things, but he's not a defensive stat guy. He got off to a weirdly strong defensive stat start. You know those numbers were going to come down. He doesn't hit that many three-pointers. So uh, the floor, and we saw it last year, the floor can come out pretty quick for Hayward um, if the other stuff isn't working. So 
I think he's probably a yes right now in most formats, but I would also fully understand if you were just like, eh, the floor's coming out, I don't really want to worry about it, and then didn't do it. Orlando lost at Brooklyn. The uh, winning streak snapped for a Magic team that was very hot coming into this ballgame, but no one was as hot as Mikael Bridges in this one. He scored 42 points. I think he had 30-something in the first half, if I'm remembering right. But quickly, let's talk about Orlando. Cole Anthony bounced back. Jalen Suggs had a uh, rare off game. He's been more than good enough to stay on your team. He's number 75 on the year. Cole Anthony had one very bad game. But then seeing the bounce back, I think, was enough evidence for me to just say, keep playing him, even if he was part of units. I mean, everybody kind of got trounced on that side. Uh, Goga Batadze had some injury stuff early. I think he, I can't remember what it was. He came back from it, but the team was getting throttled. So Mo Wagner saw a little bit of a spike in minutes there. I think you still, if you're streaming a center and you're hoping for like top 115 to 95 range stuff, Goga's still the guy between those two dudes. And then really, like, the fact that even a couple of guys on Orlando survived this blowout was a small positive, at least from a fantasy standpoint. For Brooklyn, I'm watching Spencer Dinwiddie, and he's still doing fine. I am, admittedly, a little bit concerned about what Cam Thomas's return is going to do to Dinwiddie long-term. Now, the fact that he's still got 15 shots up, that's a good sign, the previous game, Dinwiddie still had uh, a bunch of assists, although I, I think Cam Thomas's minutes were were kind of still in check in that one. I, I just have this lingering fear with Dinwiddie because he's a low field goal percent guy, at times kind of close to a punt free throw or field goal guy. He's you know career-wise 41 and change. Free throw is fine, but he's not really a positive there. He sits almost right around net neutral. So it's mostly threes, points, and assists for him because steals and blocks are not usually all that high with Dinwiddie either. So it comes down to, is there enough of that to balance out the fact that he's you know sort of a three-trick pony, basically? Uh, points, threes, and assists. And lately, the answer's been yes, but I don't know that it's definitely yes all year. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. And that's okay. You still play him. Uh, someone was like, Dan, you're not high enough on Spencer Dinwiddie. I, I mean, I, I think I'm exactly high enough on Dinwiddie because we've watched him for a decade now. He's been in the NBA for a decade. And we know what he is, which is a minimal defensive stats dude who is going to hurt you probably a lot in field goal percent. Um, he did have that one like partial season in Dallas where he was extra hot from the field, but that's not a thing that stuck historically. 
Um, he's never really had a free throw season over 82. He's had plenty of them at 80, 79, things like that, which is all just sort of fine. And then, it, you know, it comes down to how many times he's going to touch the basketball. Is 14 and some odd points and six assists, is that enough to start him in Roto all the time? I think the answer is no on that one. Head-to-head, the answer is probably yes, because, again, he's an example of a guy who is very good in a few categories and then not as strong in others, and head-to-head, that makes more sense because you might have, like, a punt-steals team. He makes a lot of sense as a punt-steals guard, something like that. Um, Roto, though, you need typically more than two or three categories, especially if they're only good but not great. And that's where he's been historically. But let's keep it... Right now, I think you can start him in every format while we see how this whole thing develops. And then, you know, Ben Simmons never comes back, which I still think is a distinct possibility. I know they said, you know, he had a cortisone injection. They're going to reevaluate in two weeks. I'm not all that convinced that in two weeks something is going to magically be better with him. But maybe he proves me wrong. I just don't think so. And that maybe that ends up being enough for Dinwiddie to stay just above the cut line. Obviously going to do a lot more when other usage guys are out, but they're in right now. And uh, Dennis Smith Jr., by the way, had a pretty good game. You can mostly ignore that. So it's uh, the usual fare. Let's keep going. Cleveland beat Detroit, and uh, the uh, poor Pistons. At least they got Boyan Bogdanovich back. His minutes up to 27 and change in this one. I think actually this was his return. Um, he's just going to slowly ramp up, 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 up. They'll probably get him in the starting lineup, I would guess, over Jaden Ivey, but it could be over Killian Hayes, so just keep an eye on that. Bogdanovich is a must-roster guy because they badly need him to score uh, because Cade Cunningham is the only other guy on the team who can reliably do it. That's kind of the only story on Detroit. You know, Killian Hayes is a hold right now just to see how this thing shakes out. I know Jaden Ivey started in this one, which I guess is better for him than the alternative, but I don't I don't think he needs to be on rosters. And then with Cleveland, it's, you know, nothing, really. Isaac Okoro had a four-steal game, but you're not going to buy in on that. Max Struess scored 22 again, man. Like, at this point, you kind of just have to assume he's like a top 75 or guy or better, and he's at 58 right now. Did not see that coming, but I continue to ride the wave. Pelicans lost at Chicago. The Bulls, who have basically pulled the plug on Zach Levine, are suddenly playing like they care about each other. They're now 6-6 at home, which I guess is, you know, better than the alternative. They've won two games in a row, ladies and gentlemen. We'll talk about the Bulls in a second. First things first, on the Pels side, uh, no CJ for this one because he can't fly yet. I do think that's going to change at some point in presumably the not-too-distant future. Uh, But, you know, if they're on the road, I think we have to assume he's out for now, Uh, which meant that Dyson Daniels is semi-streamable, although it it now seems much more clear that with Alvarado around and Jordan Hawkins, both guys kind of, all three of those guys, I guess, kind of soaking up similar minutes that there's probably no obvious stream that's where you're at with the Pels. Herb Jones has bounced back nicely at a couple of lull games. And people are like, should I move on now? And I'm like, what are you talking about, guys? Good fantasy players have good and bad stretches. Only the great ones really have, like, good stretches and then bad game. The best players have individual bad games. Everybody else in fantasy has bad stretches. I need folks to not freak out when someone has two or three quiet games in a row. 
Meanwhile, over on the Bulls side, Kobe White continues to be the ultimate in uh, fill-in, maximize play. He's top 50 over the last two weeks. Obviously buttressed a bit by this colossal ball game, but uh, he's getting everything he can handle with Zach Levine out. Alex Caruso also left this ballgame partway through. He's been nursing a sore toe the entire season to this point. If, and we saw this before, if both Levine and Caruso are out, not only can you stay, stream Kobe White, who, by the way, is he's a hold because Zach Levine's going to get moved at some point, but you can also stream Io Dosunmu, who is less of a stash, I think. He's the stash in case DeMar and Levine get moved, or Caruso and Levine, and even if it's just Caruso, I don't know that that's enough extra usage on the plate for Desumu. Um Patrick Williams was decent enough in this ballgame. Again, also, he's a guy that badly needed a little uptick in usage, which is, again, the kind of stuff you get when Levine is out, when DeMar is out, the Bulls still kind of stash City over there. If you have room, I did stash Patrick Williams in one spot where I was like, you know what, I could use a little, like, threes, steals, blocks couple of boards dude who's probably not going to punish my percentages too much although he did go one for four at the free throw line in this particular ball game but you guys i think know at this point we're, we're kind of on rinse repeat with chicago uh and the only question is is alex caruso starting in any individual game because he's very much a questionable every night dude um uh, a lot of teams seem to be more interested in Caruso than they are in Levine. We've heard more about DeMar than Levine. Then DeMar said he wanted to go play in New York and blah, blah, blah. We'll see. Obi Toppin turned an ankle, as you guys watching can see on your screen, but uh, he's had two really nice ball games in a row. Some of that's because uh, Jalen Smith is out. Some of it's because Toppin has been extraordinarily hot. He makes sense, by the way, as a really interesting stream this week if he actually plays in their ball game. Um, it also didn't hurt any of these guys that Tyrese Halliburton was out. So there was just a lot of usage to go around. Bruce Brown scored 30 damn points in this ballgame. TJ McConnell had a 20-11 and 11 double-double, and he's always a monster in fantasy when he gets 20-some-odd minutes. Andrew Nemhard also had 11 assists, but he doesn't have a particularly great fantasy game. I think Tyrese Halliburton will be back for their play-in game, which I believe is actually tonight. Aren't they tonight and not tomorrow? You guys can catch me on this. Yeah, Boston Indies tonight, and then New Orleans Sacramento's tonight. Those are the those are the two, three matchups on each side. I don't remember. Who the hell can remember these things? Either way, they're playing tonight. I think he'll be back. I haven't seen anything about it in either direction so far yet today. There really hasn't been any news. I think he's questionable still. Everybody's got this... this flu thing going around if it's anything like what i had the entire damn month of november i feel quite bad for these players because that thing sucked but i don't know I, I i still think halliburton's gonna play again i have no reason to assume that's true but if he's not and Toppin does he's a go tj mcconnell would be playable streamable on a head-to-head -head side you can stream practically the whole damn roster roto side Toppin, i think mcconnell this is again if halliburton's out um Definitely the usual guys, Heald, Brown, Miles Turner. I don't know about going any farther on the Roto side, but again, head-to-head, -head, you could almost stream the whole damn team if Halliburton misses it. If Halliburton's in there, you're not streaming guys like Nemhard and McConnell unless you're really hard up for adding games to your week. Uh, Neesmith kind of in that same boat, if a little bit higher. Uh, Josh Richardson and Haywood Highsmith left the Heat's last ball game. Again, YouTubers, you can see on your screen as I highlight it. Uh, Richardson hurt his knee. Highsmith his lower back. 
Um, they don't play until Wednesday, so we won't probably have an update on them today. Uh, but with all of those guys out, that just, again, creates more opportunity because it's been kind of Jimmy Butler lately against the universe. Orlando Robinson started for Bam Adebayo. He'd be interesting if Bam missed their next game on Wednesday. But again, we're not going to know. Duncan Robinson, no relation, is an easy stream for Tyler Hero. He basically has been the whole time Hero's been out. Kyle Lowry, Jaime Jaquez slowed down in this ballgame, but they'd be streamable if uh, Hero and if Richardson are both out. That just makes it even a little bit of an easier call. And that's probably about as far as you go with Miami. But again, we need more info before we can make a call on it. Everybody was like, the Bucs are done. The Bucs are done. Well, they're 14-6, and six, guys. It seems the Bucs are fine. Uh, they beat the Hawks, which, you know, it's not like a big old feather in the cap. Atlanta's 9-10. and 10. Atlanta badly missing Jalen Johnson these days. But at least for fantasy purposes, that means Sadiq Bey can just keep cruising along. No other notes on this game. Okongwu played 27 minutes here. And Clay Capella played 30. So they went big. And uh, poor Okongwu, he got stuck dealing with a lot of Giannis, which meant not much fantasy stuff. And he's not going to do as much if he's tasked with playing power forward. But he's still a hold. Milwaukee, no real adjustments. Bobby Portis did double-double, but, I mean, his is like the ultimate two-category guy. 15-11 and 11 with basically nothing else. Brooke Lopez got his four blocks, even if he missed a couple of shots. And then Malik Beasley is just freaking pounding right now with no Crowder and Chris Middleton still on a time limit. It's crazy. And for those that are wondering, where is Damian Lillard ranked right now? The answer is 21. And presumably that field goal percent will continue to tick up from 43, we think. Um, I still have him climbing into the early teens. Well, I guess see how that goes. Whew, this is a big Saturday, isn't it? Memphis at Phoenix, JJJ, 37-9-2 with a steal and a block. Obviously, we still want more steals and more blocks, but he's worked his way back up. Remember, he had that bottoming out game where he fell outside the top 100. He's back up to number 84 now, which, again, not at all what you wanted, but certainly a step in the right direction over his last couple. Going to be a harder buy low after scoring 37 points. Um, still think if you can, you should. I'm holding Santi Aldama. Three steals a block. He was in there for 31 minutes. That's usually enough for him to have fantasy value. I'm not adding Vince Williams. I didn't add David Roddy last week. I foolishly picked up Derrick Rose for one ball game, but we knew he wasn't going to play in the second half of the back-to-back. And then Jalen Noel, who played, who started at point guard for Derrick Rose, who started at point guard for Marcus Smart, who started at point guard for John Morant. Yeah, we're way down the board. Is usually a guy that you can count on to get you some threes, but he couldn't shoot the ball. Um, and presumably Rose will be the guy that starts there in the next one. So that's where you're at with Memphis. Devin Booker was back for Phoenix, and he and Kevin Durant are just going to keep destroying teams until Bradley Beal comes back. And then they'll continue to destroy, just not at quite the same clip they're at right now. Uh, meanwhile, no Eric Gordon for this one. That meant a little bit more to do for, uh, I was going to say Josh Kogi, but he only took two shots. Kind of Grayson Allen, but he only took four shots. It was pretty much just the three guys. And basically, I'm not streaming anybody on this team unless two of the main stars are out, and I'm not talking about Nurkic there. So leave the Suns alone. Thunder beat Dallas. This is one of the weirdest games in the history of basketball. The Mavericks went on a 30 to nothing run and lost. How's that even possible? 
Meanwhile, Luka Doncic played 46 of the 48 available minutes. I think they figured, ah, we got this game, and then we're off Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. So, you know, blow it out. Not much really to speak of on the Thunder side. Um, Jalen Williams continues to get his things going. We still haven't seen the big steals numbers from Williams, and that'll be the thing that really gets him cooking. So if you can buy low, you still should. I just don't know that you can after a pretty big ball game like this one. Uh, Chet's been awesome. Shea finally had kind of a quiet ball game. Still had five steals in it anyway. But certainly the big story here is, uh, for one, Dallas had a lot of guys out. No Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, no Kyrie Irving for this ballgame. Um, Grant Williams got hurt partway through this ballgame. And so that meant, and, and don't worry, we'll talk about Derek Lively again, but it also meant that Derek Jones kind of had no uh, excuse, and same with Seth Curry, but to go out there and get a bunch of shots up. However, I know we talked about how there hasn't been a whole lot of news breaking today. One hour ago, Dallas did drop their injury report. Kyrie Irving practiced, so he's... I would assume, likely to play in their next game on Wednesday. Uh, and that, to me, is enough to say I, I can't take the plunge on these replacement guys because you throw Kyrie back in the mix and the shots for Jones and Curry basically disappear. Not entirely, but basically. And then Derek Lively, someone we've been talking about needing to be rostered for a few weeks now. Uh, basically, as soon as we saw that in 24 minutes a game, he's a top 100 play, that's a guy that you're like, oh, this is the guy that they're like trying to make part of everything that they're doing going forward. And so we want to make sure that we're there for it. He's now number 87 in 25 minutes per game. And every minute he goes up, he's going to move somewhere between 6 and 10 rank slots, at least until he gets up into the part where it's sort of harder to jump spots on the board. But he's a must-roster play in every format. And someone was like, Dan, don't you think you're getting out in front of yourself after one big ball game? No, man, we've been talking about this for two to three weeks. You could, the writing's on the wall with this dude. And it's good writing. Writing is bad writing on the wall for everybody else. The only thing that could throw even the tiniest hiccup into the Derek Lively experience is if Maxi Kleba shows up, doesn't get hurt, and Jason Kidd's like, eh, every once in a while I'm going to go floor spacer. Because it could happen. But I just, like, there's absolutely no reason why he shouldn't be on teams right now. Hey, before we, we talk Portland, Utah, now that a lot of you guys have tuned in, there weren't that many of you when the show started, but now there's many of you watching live. First, first of all, hi, I love it. It's actually ridiculously flattering that this many of you want to watch this show live these days. But please take a second to like and make sure you subscribe if you like what we've been doing here. Um, I love that the chat room is cooking. You guys help each other. That's beautiful stuff. Um, and hey, take a second to hit up our buddies over at manscaped.com. Uh, Hanukkah starts in a few days. If you need a present for somebody of the Jewish faith, Christmas is exactly three weeks from today. Presents, uh, and a lot of these places, it's going to take too long to get them. Do Manscaped. Manscape thyself. And Manscape thy friends and family who are gruff, bearded, or just generally hairy individuals. Go get him a lawnmower or a handyman. Or, and I, I did something so dumb, I picked my fingernail on a car ride because it got like a little a little break in it. Ah, you guys see that every once in a while. I don't know where it came from. I'm sure I like punched a thumb into a door or, a, you know, I Andrew Wiggins did. Uh, the shears is unbelievable. And so with our coupon code, exclusive code for those of us here at Fantasy NBA Today, you can get 20% off in free shipping. That code is ethos20, ethos20 over at manscaped.com. Check them out today. 
They've been wonderful for us. They've been a partner for like three or four years now. They send me a lot of swag, which is super cool. And obviously, that's part of the reason that I want them to stay happy because I love getting free stuff. But you guys go get your, your holiday presents there. There's just no reason not to. Manscaped.com, promo code ethos20. Let's talk Portland, Utah again. Oh, and again, I'm uh, at Dan Vespers over on Twitter while you're, you know, liking, subscribing, and, and hanging out with us. Oh, Discord. You guys should come play with us in the in the Sports Ethos Discord. I know I've said it before, and, like, we can believe that it's going to take a week or a month or a year, uh, but Twitter is not in a great way these days. Uh, I'm going to post the Discord link in the live chat. I'm going to throw it up on the screen here just for a second while I'm talking about these ball games. Please come hang with hang with us over there. It's rapidly expanding. Um, you know, we didn't pour that much um, that much time into it in seasons past, but now it's become this community, and that's this nice like critical mass thing with Discord, where if you get enough people in there, then everybody can just help each other. And now you got a community, and so every one of you guys that we add is just more people helping each other. So go hang with us there. I'm gonna leave that link up on the board. Now we'll talk Portland, Utah. Uh, Jeremy Grant took a shot to the head in this ballgame. Interestingly, I was looking at the Yahoo blurbs, which I think are provided by Roto World, and they didn't have it. They didn't mention that Grant. They were just like, oh, Grant had a bad ball game. Yeah, he had a bad ball game. Okay, admittedly, he was having a bad ball game even before the head injury, but that's the reason he didn't finish this thing. Um, hopefully it's not a concussion. We'll find out soon enough. I don't think there's been an update since. If he's out... First of all, Matisse Thibel picked up most of those minutes. Um, and if someone could guarantee me that Thibel was going to play 30 minutes a game, he would be a must-add play in every format because in 30 minutes a game, he can probably get you three or more defensive stats, even if he almost does nothing else, which is basically what he did here. He played 30 th 33 minutes, I'm rounding, and had six points, three boards, and two assists. And you're like, oh my God, Dan, you're going to put that dude on my team? Yeah, well, two threes, a steal, and two blocks. If you average two threes, a steal, and two blocks, and you do almost nothing else, you're basically still near a top 100 guy. And then if you just get anything, just be on the board in points, boards, and assists, again, this 6-2-1 whatever, that's actually enough, believe it or not. Because a, a two-game week out of this dude, can getting, getting you six defensive stats potentially, that's league-winning stuff. Or week-winning stuff. But I don't know that anybody can guarantee me he's going to get 30 minutes of ball game because Scoot could soak up some of those minutes. You could see Jabari Walker pick up some of those minutes. It's not a promise. But I think if we see it in the first game with Grant out, which I'm, I'm going to assume Grant's missing a ball game. They're not going to push him here with the uh, concussions. You just you don't want to screw around. And Portland's not exactly making a playoff push. Also of note, um, in addition to, to tracking Thibel, Shaden Sharp has huge efficiency issues, but with both Simons and now also probably Grant out, he almost has no choice but to take so many shots that he can overwhelm that number. Because, like, right now, Shaden Sharp is number 150, taking 15 shots a game because his field goal percent has been crap. His turnovers have been really high. I kind of don't care about the field goal turnover thing if suddenly they're just like, okay, like, Shaden, you're going to have to play. He's playing 37 minutes a game right now. And they're just like, oh, by the way, he played 43 in this one. Oh, you got to play 40. And uh, we need you to take at least 18 shots a game. I kind of don't care about the inefficiency in that spot. Then he's a go in all formats. 
Tamani Kamara had five defensive stats, but I'm going to need to see more than that. And then Malcolm Brogdon is an obvious start, as is DeAndre Ayton. And that's your update on the Blazers. Utah's a little screwball. I mean, we need to see Larry Markinen get himself back into this thing because Utah's uh, generally kind of bad without him. Uh, John Collins had a nice one. That's good to see. He's going to bounce around probably near the edge of the top 100 probably the whole season based on whether he's had one or two good ball games or one or two bad ones recently, but he should stay on rosters. You're ignoring Taylor Horton Tucker. You're likely ignoring Omer Yurtsevet, although it's harder to do after a 15-rebound game, and frankly, you know, the team just played better in the lineups where he was on the court, but at some point here in the next week or two, Walker Kessler is going to overtake him, so don't worry too much about that. Colin Sexton uh, is getting more run with Jordan Clarkson out. He's a points-only stream, and then Simona Fontecchio is your, I need a couple of defensive stats and a three-pointer, but I don't know that I can trust him to do anything else, fill in for Lowry Markkinen. And I have the exact same take on Keontae George today as I did uh, all of last week. I said it on almost every single show last week. He's a roto drop. His percentages and turnovers are going to be too rough. He's a head-to-head long-term stash, and you just kind of have to hope you catch him on a week where his percentages are not garbage. Uh, because, you know, 21-6-6, six, and six, that's nice. That's something you want, but no defensive stats. Bad field goal, bad free throw, bad turnover. That's more damage than good. And people have a hard time visualizing this because they're like, whoa, 21-6-6, six, and six, that seems really good. You're actually better off starting somebody who had like 14-3-3 plus a steal plus a block and didn't hurt your percentages on any given day. It's, it's very hard to picture this because those numbers seem big, but they're not even close to big enough to counterweight the damage he was doing in the other categories. And that's why he's a long-term head-to-head play. And for Roto, I, honestly, I don't have enough space on my teams to just sit on him indefinitely. So you can go back out on the wire. Sacramento beat Denver 123-117. You know what's funny is I handicapped this ball game, and I had the Kings uh, minus four, and I put that out on Twitter, along with Pacers and uh, Clippers who didn't cover and now looking back, I don't remember why I ended up on the Kings because I sort of like dumped the info after I, after I was done with it. Everything is compartmentalized in my brain. Once I'm done with something, I just move on from it. It ended up being a smart play, but I don't remember how I got there. This is the whole like, Dan, what's going on with your head right now thing? Anyway, Reggie Jackson played uh, for Jamal Murray, who came back for one ball game but then turned an ankle. I'm assuming he'll be back relatively soon. It didn't seem like a huge deal. Reggie Jackson is a head-to-head streamable guy. Denver's not in the play-in or the IST, so you're not doing anything right now. Typically, he's not good enough in 9-cat roto, just to keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, Aaron Gordon is back also, by the way. Hasn't been a 9-cat roto guy. Much more head-to-head, you know, punt-free-throw type. But no huge changes on Denver. And although... Okay, so Sacramento actually is experiencing a small change right now, and that small change is a feller named Malik Monk, who at the beginning of this year, I was like, look, I want to have him on my roster. I'm going to repeat myself because sometimes you guys don't remember what I've said. I said, as long as Malik Monk is stuck in the 22-minute range when De'Aaron Fox is healthy, he can't be on rosters. But lately, even with Fox around, the last five ball games, he's played 26, 30, 26, 28, and 28 again. And my estimation, does that make him a guaranteed rest-of-season play? Um, no, not necessarily. 
but I think it's enough to make sure that he's on your team. Okay? That's that's all it really means to me. Because he's number 121 overall right now in 24 and a half minutes per ball game, which basically tells us that unless there's a start like a, a hard tapering of his per game production, if he's playing 26 minutes or more, he's a nine cat, twelve team, all format startable guy. And that's where he's at the last week and change. Now, yes, he's also run hot. He's shooting 54% from the field, and he's made something like, you know, 13 or 14 free throws in a row. And these are things that are not going to stick long-term. So that's why over the last week and change, he's in the top 60. But even if you account for the field goal percent coming way down and the free throw percent, which is going to be good for him, coming down a little bit, that still puts him inside the top 100. So Malik Monk is your, and kind of buried the lead a little bit here, he's definitely the ad of the day or the ad of the weekend because now he's cleared that border. And I sat on him, I'll admit, I sat on him in one or two head-to-head leagues because I kind of liked what he was doing in points and assists and free throw percent in head-to-head. And I was like, you know what, these are good enough, and I like, I don't need to be good in all nine things to win this head-to-head league. I think he's really now crossed the, the line for Roto as well. That's probably the big news there because he was heavily rostered in head-to-head formats and not that heavily rostered in Roto, and that was, that was accurate up until about a week ago, but now it's all formats. And then the Lakers beat the Rockets. Uh, this game had some drama. Ime Udoka and LeBron James got into a, a little bit of a thing where Udoka was calling LeBron a B-word, and LeBron was like, come on, man, don't throw that word around because LeBron's a family man, damn it. And uh, Udoka has shown himself to not be a family man, if you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, uh, fantasy-wise, really nothing. You know, Jalen Green is a nine-cat disaster. Dylan Brooks came back to earth. Alperin Shengun took 25 shots in this game. Holy moly. That's a lot. I don't know that having him as the exclusive shot taker uh, into Anthony Davis was maybe the best offensive game plan here. Um, Freddie Van Vliet was probably your better game plan because the Lakers guards right now are not as good at guarding people. But whatever. Lakers got off to a pretty good lead. This one got closer in the closing minutes. Uh, if you're wondering why... I don't know why Freddie Van Vliet played 39 minutes in this game, frankly, but if you're wondering why, you know, uh, D'Lo only had 26 and uh, LeBron, where was Bron at in this one? He ended up at 35, so they got him until about the two, three minute mark at the end. AD played 37, Lakers knew they had a couple days off, uh, but they did, they weren't like really pressing because the game was uh, not super close in the last three minutes, or you would have seen everybody with about two to three more from the regulars. Speaking of the regulars, um, D'Angelo's been awesome, uh, but he's pretty much universally rostered at this point. What's his rank these days? Actually, he's top 25 over the last week. Good for D'Lo. 60 on the season. That's pretty cool. Uh, Obviously, you're starting D'Lo, AD, Reeves. Reeves had a great ball game, too. Uh, More so on the if you watched it as opposed to statistically speaking. I told you guys LeBron was going to cool. That was one of the big sell highs from the last, I think, two sell high shows. We had him on at least one of them. Because the thing was, you knew the field goal percent wasn't going to stay at 58 with as many three-pointers as he was making, and now he's fallen to number 29. And believe it or not, I actually think there's more room to drop. Not that I don't love Bron. He made some insane shots in this ballgame, and obviously the Lakers are always better when he's on the floor. But he's just, he's not trying to do as much this year. 
He's got guys like AD and Reeves and D'Lo to go shoulder a little bit of the load, and so far they have. What do you do with the fringy Lakers? Well, I don't think anything, because they got Cam Reddish, Jared Vanderbilt, Jackson Hayes all back for this ballgame, and then Rui Hachimura sounds like he could be back for the next one. So you probably just leave those guys alone, because, frankly, there's, there's too many of them. Let's go back to Friday, which was uh, a pretty light one, and I already did some mid-show promo, so we can just roll right into Friday. Uh, Washington at Orlando. We talked about the magic already. The Wizards. This ballgame was closer, everybody. I'm a little pissed that Tyus Jones still only got 26 minutes because they were good ones. 13, 6, and 2 steals with three three-pointers. That's good. Bilal Kudabali, or Cooley, as we've been calling him on the show, uh, shot 6 of 7. That's why he had a good fantasy game, but there's just not enough usage there to warrant a roster spot. Gafford good. Kuzma good again. Um, Poole not good again. Um, and then Denny Avdia, who's been kind of bouncing back and forth between good and not as good. He's currently at 107, which for 9-cat, that's a hold. People keep asking me what the hell they're supposed to do about Jordan Poole. And I keep saying, I told you guys not to draft him at 40. It was too dangerous. Too much. There was upside, yes, but there was so much downside. And I think we're seeing he's just he's just not a great basketball player. I do think he gets better than 200, which is where he ranked right now. 39% from the field probably gets a little bit better. Um, but he's looking like a guy who might just not be a roto play at any point this year. I don't know how you can drop him because you probably drafted him in the fourth round. But you can't trade him for anything. You know what? I tell you this. I would buy on Jordan Poole if I could get him for someone who's just like casually floating near 100 like Denny Avdia, but that's not going to get it done. Like, you're not going to get him for those dudes. I don't know that I would give up anybody in that range who has some, like, room to grow. Maybe you could give up John Collins, because he's probably never going to be better than, like, number 85 this year. You're not giving up much in the way of upside. Bruce Brown is kind of a low upside play in that range. Sadiq Bey's not going to get it done. Uh, who else is in there that has a shot? DeAnthony Melton? Like, I might do it for Melton because Philly's going to get crowded and they might trade for another star. And so there's this possible downside built in. But I'm not be, I'm not giving up the upside guys in that range. Keegan Murray I'd rather have. Jalen Brown, obviously. Drew Holiday, Walker Kessler. These are all guys that I'd much prefer to have over Jordan Poole. But if you can find someone in that range that's just sort of a plotter, that's the guy you give up just to say, hey, maybe we catch lightning in a bottle with Poole at some point, but also maybe not. The New York Knickerbockers. Josh Hart, three games in a row with 30 minutes. He's an ad. I don't know what to tell you guys. Um, every time I'm ready to quit Josh Hart, something happens and he gets 30 minutes a ball game. He's number 143 in 28 minutes a game. Some of that's because he's basically just refused to shoot the ball until three games back. Uh, but it seems like maybe he's starting to get over that hump a little bit, although he took three shots against Detroit. 10 and 11 against uh, Charlotte and Toronto. That's probably the two that I'd rather look at. But he's also been hot in those games, so maybe that's had something to do with it. I'm fully aware that Josh Hart could play 24 minutes in the next ball game, and then he'd be a drop again. But I also promised you guys that if he played 30 minutes in a row for a couple of ball games, I would pick him up, and so now I kind of have to keep my word, even if it's going to be boring. Uh, Toronto is a zero uh, fantasy interest 
team right now. Everybody is doing exactly what we expected based on the first few weeks of the year. Scotty Barnes had a nice little bounce back here. Um, after he had kind of cooled a tad, he pushed himself back up towards the end of the first round. I still think he's probably more of a like 25 to 35 range dude when the whole season comes to an end, but so far he's been better than that. And look, I was too low on him on draft day. People on Twitter are like, Dan, are you just mad because you were low on him? Yeah, I was low on, on Barnes. He's taking a big leap forward, and I didn't have him as one of the guys. That's fine. We got plenty of wins elsewhere. If you guys are wondering, uh, like all, all of my Roto redraft teams are dominating right now, and I've done it without Scotty Barnes. But yeah, I wish I had him. Meanwhile, I feel like so much less of an idiot since Dennis Schroeder cooled off. He's down to number 98 on the season. I like the 16 points and the 7 assists. That's nice. I like the free throws. But it really does have a little bit of that Dinwiddie uh, vibe of the low field goal percent, not many defensive stats. And Schroeder doesn't even really shoot the three ball very much. Head-to-head, -head, he's very much a play. Roto, Schroeder is in jeopardy of falling out of the playable zone. He's number 136 over the last three weeks. Because there's just been, you know, three positive categories and like four or five negative ones. I didn't make up how math works. That's just how it works. But also, my handicapping on Schroeder seems to be uh, much more accurate than it looked like the first two weeks of the season when I was like, oh my God, did I badly miss on this? Nope, we got it. It's just a matter of understanding like how a guy got to a specific spot. Let's see, we talked Memphis, we talked Dallas, uh, we haven't talked Philly or Boston, and that should be fun because uh, for Philly, Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey missed this ball game, and you can see on your screen, Batum was out, uh, Kelly Oubre was out, Oubre, um, they're hoping to get back on Wednesday, I don't know how much he's going to play in that one, um, coming back from what we believe to be relatively serious uh, rib and core injuries, but he'll get back in there. Uh, Maxi and Embiid both practiced. That news broke about 10 minutes ago while we've been talking, as did Nick Batum. So you can kind of throw this game out because Embiid being back and Maxi being back and Oubre being back and Batum being back means that Paul Reed's not going to play that much. Pat Beverly's not going to play that much. Rob Coving's not going to play that much. Marcus Morris is not going to play that much. And the only guys that played in this ball game that are going to get to play in the next one are Tobias Harris and DeAnthony Melton. So... Dump the box, ladies and germs. Ah, the Celtics. Does anything make Dan Bespers happier than Al Horford smashing on the fantasy side? And you know what's really funny? Horford's been so good since Kristaps Porzingis went down that he's now inside the top 100 on the season. That's crazy. He's top 50 over the last three weeks. And Porzingis wasn't even out for the first of those. He's top 30 over the last two weeks, which again, that also includes a game, I think, where Porzingis wasn't down. And he's a first-rounder over the last week and a half. Al freaking Horford, everybody. One of the best fantasy plays on the board since Porzingis went down. So rock and roll. Jason Tatum got ejected in this ballgame, so Sam Hauser picked up a few extra minutes. Uh, he's a three-pointer stream, and uh, that's the... General story with the Celtics, who do play early this week. So if you can wedge some streamers in there, Hauser, Pritchard, obviously Horford, if you've got him, he's a juicy one. Uh, and then Porzingis was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be back soon. But obviously a calf for a seven foot three inch, the original unicorn OG edition. 
is not a small deal. Speaking of OG, I forgot to talk about him in that Toronto game. Uh, Ananobi had nine points, five boards, three assists, a steal, and two blocks. Uh, I mean, it, there's still, like, infinite room for him to improve. Um, he's outside the top 200 over the last week because he's shooting 25% at the free throw line and 36% from the field. So there's just, like, you can still go get him. Uh, Spurs, I think the only other team that played... Yeah, we don't we don't have to go farther back than Friday... Um, San Antonio is annoying. This was a Wemby-less ball game. That's the only reason that I'm going to spend some time on it. Uh, no Wembenyama, and uh, that meant that everybody kind of shifted up a spot, and then uh, Champagny got the start at small forward, and I don't care. And Malachi Branham started at shooting guard, and I don't care, uh, because they wanted to bring Demi Vassell off the bench, and I don't care. What I do care about is uh, Zach Collins playing only 24 minutes in this game, in a game that basically turned into a blowout, um, and Charles Bassey getting 19. If Bassey was going to be guaranteed 20 minutes, he'd be a fantasy play, but it sounds like Wemby's probably going to be back for their next one because they were off for four or five days or whatever it is between contests. And then, like, I find a lot of these players kind of annoying to roster. Jeremy Sohan is extraordinarily annoying to roster, so I don't have him. I don't have any Vassell. Do I still think you see the field goal percent come back down? Wemby's fun. I'll give you that. And then we talked about Zach Collins late last week as a guy whose values being sort of artificially deflated by the high turnovers. But even he's not been... He's been imperfect so far this year. The Spurs are just annoying. Uh, Let's flip the old covers over and see what's going on tonight. Just two ball games: Boston at Indiana and New Orleans at Sacramento, so we can zoom in real tight for those watching live. You get the giant font on your screen right now. What are we looking for? Well, uh, you know, Boston is uh, still without Porzingis, so Horford. And then Indiana, we're waiting to find out what's going on with Halliburton. He's questionable. That illness, man, I don't know if you guys have had it. The illness going around right now, this, this chest coughing one, there's just like no way you could play a good basketball game while coughing up a lung out there. So maybe Halliburton doesn't go, and if we can get that information early enough, I, I would hope that you can. Um, McConnell would be an amazing pickup. Especially, by the way, if you can figure out which of these teams is going to win today, Boston's favored by 5.5. So I think there's an assumption that Halliburton's not going based on that number on the road. Kings favored by 3.5, which I think that's telling you they expect both teams to be relatively healthy in the nightcap. Uh, you could probably get out in front of it and grab McConnell now. But you're also saying, uh, do we think Indiana can beat Boston with that lineup? My guess would be no. So if you want to really win the stream game this week, see if you can figure out which teams today and tomorrow are going to win. Because then those teams will play on Thursday. And then you could get two quiet day streamers with one move. So, like, do you think Boston's going to beat Indy? Then maybe Hauser is the guy. Because you get him today, you get him Thursday. Do you think Sacramento is going to beat New Orleans? Maybe. Is Harrison Barnes on your wire? Maybe he's the guy you look at. Or even a Trey Lyles if you want to go farther down the board. As opposed to, you know, this, like, New Orleans, if McCollum's not traveling, maybe the better one-game play would be a Dyson Daniels. Or, But if you're going to have to punt on him because then he doesn't play again until Friday on an overload day, maybe you try to get the guy that you think plays twice before then. Because remember, whoever loses 
These Monday-Tuesday games doesn't play again until Friday on a day where you probably have a full roster anyway. So you really are trying to guess who's going to win. And if you wanted to get out in front of it, we can even look at tomorrow a tiny bit. And we'll do this again tomorrow. Uh, but tomorrow's games are the Knicks at the Bucks and the Suns at the Lakers. Um, I actually kind of think Phoenix beats LA. I think the Lakers have beat the Suns twice already this year. It's really hard to beat the same team three times in a row. Uh, and I think this will be the first time that the Suns will have two stars in, or did they have Booker and Durant? No, I think they only had Durant in the two previous ones. Um, so Phoenix, I know I don't like the streamers all that much, but tomorrow, if you wanted to go... You know, Grayson Allen or Josh Okogie, you maybe get two games out of those guys. And then the Bucks. do we think the Bucks beat the Knicks? Possibly. Portis is out there. You go that route. I wish we got a good report on someone like a Pat Connaughton. He'd be another interesting kind of fill-in type dude. As opposed to looking at Lakers like Cam Reddish or Torian Prince, who are probably easier guys to pick up. Uh, or on the Knicks, if Josh Hart is out there. If you think those teams lose... At least that's Tuesday to Friday, so it's not the like Monday all the way to Friday, but it's still a pain in the butt if you could get a guy that goes on two quieter days. We're up near an hour already, so I think we're probably going to go light on questions today. Plus, um, I think I mentioned it right at the beginning of the show, my day is going to get screwed up a little by uh, a kid's doctor's appointment. So I'm going to do just one or two quick ones here. This is a good question from Adam Lemberger. What is Terry Rozier's trade value? And the honest answer to that is, I don't really know. I think some folks are going to be grading him on a curve because LaMelo Ball is out, and he's been very big in those couple of ball games. But he's also a guy that we've seen put up top 60 numbers when LaMelo is around because he's able to play off ball and get better looks. I think his trade value is probably not as good as his actual rank. He's number 63 in nine cat right now. You're probably not going to get a 60 range guy back for Rozier. So the best move with him is probably to just enjoy this run, see what happens, as opposed to trading down for like an 80 range guy when Terry probably does have the ability to roll better than that for some time here over the next couple of weeks. Um, let me see if I can find one more question that applies to everybody. Um, what do we got? Lots of really good questions in here, but there a lot of them are, are hyper-specific. Um, okay, who would you rather pick up between Malik Monk and Josh Hart? That's a good follow-up question because I talked about both of those guys. My answer is Monk. Because I have no idea what's going on. Like, R.J. Barrett's minutes have been down the last couple of ball games for New York. That's been basically a direct correlation. Yes, Malik Monk has been hot, so that plays a part in why he's seen more minutes. But it also does kind of feel like there's a good chemistry thing happening there. So I'd rather go Monk and just kind of see what happens. He's also more fun to have in head-to-head because -head he scores more. But um, I'll, go, I'll go Malik Monk there. And then last question, any news on Anthony Simons? No, um, he's pretty deep into the expected timeline. I would assume another week or two, just to sort of like don't get your hopes too high. Um, but I gotta think we see him before Christmas. That'd be a really that'd be the like the longest possible recovery from what he was dealing with. Um, so assume he'll be back in the next two weeks. Um, three would be the absolute longest. And if you made it this far, uh, just just stick it out. 
Thanks again, everybody. Wonderful time with all of you guys. Appreciate you hanging out. A nice live audience today. I am at Dan Vespers over on social. I'll see you guys over there. We got a few things to do on Twitter today, even with just the uh, little short card. Uh, this is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. Again, please do hang out in Discord. I left that link on the board for, like, the majority of today's show. You can also find it in the description if you didn't, if you're not watching, if you're just listening. Please hit a like button, something on something I'm doing, anything at all. Uh, and then again, I, we can, you know, tell you more about what's going on in the universe over on social and in Discord. And again, at some point later on today, we're going to do a weekly preview show. I just don't know exactly when. Whenever that is, I'll talk to you then. So long for now, everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.